Amen. All right. Well, let's uh, bow together. Father, again, we come before you and we thank you for this uh, morning. We thank you for the privilege you've given us to worship you together. And uh, Lord, as we come to your word, I pray that you prepare our hearts, that we'd be ready to receive it, allowing your spirit to do uh, your work in our hearts so that we would respond in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, uh, just uh, pray that you'll enable me to share this exactly as you intended when you brought it forth, Lord God, so that you would be greatly glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are a true believer, uh, you and I, we are in a fierce battle. We're in a fierce daily battle. Now, you might think I'm talking about our battle against our enemy, Satan, and certainly we are at war, in a sense, uh, with him, uh, but we stand firm in Christ, and Christ, who is in us, is greater than he who is in the world. But the battle that we're in that goes along with that is a battle to trust the Lord. It's uh, what Paul would share with Timothy, and he calls it the good fight of faith. It's a battle to believe what God has said to trust in the Lord Jesus personally versus relying on our own wisdom, understanding, strength, and abilities. It's a battle. It's a fierce battle. But it's a good fight. It's a good fight. And it's only for a season. Uh, Why we here sojourn on this earth, we will soon be in his presence where our faith is sight, where we're in his presence. But right now we walk by faith. And we know that the Lord said it's impossible through his word in Hebrews chapter 11, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. We walk by faith. And yet, as we see, there are so many threats to our faith. There are threats to our faith. They're the open and obvious ones. Obviously, our enemy Satan and his obvious attacks. Obviously, the world and its desires uh, pulling against our desire to serve the Lord. Obviously, our flesh screams for its way. Uh, we have all kinds of obstacles, but really, those we understand. And we understand and we recognize those clearly. But we also have an enemy who is crafty, who comes through wicked men, evil men and imposters, who tries to substitute uh, man's wisdom and ways for God's wisdom and ways. And it's when that happens, we get taken captive. But uh, the Lord God is gracious, and he does not desire us to be taken away as a captive spiritually by someone who would uh, substitute uh, the things of man uh, under the guise of naming them the things of God. So with that in mind, we're continuing our look at the book of Colossians. And so would you turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10 and we're going to begin to continue to see, <laughs> we're going to begin to continue to see uh, how we can avoid the trap of being ensnared by uh, bad guys, by false teachers, and ultimately avoiding threats to the absolute sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. A uh, little context, we know Paul never visited the Colossians, but he has heard of their spiritual condition from Epaphras traveled 1,600 miles to tell him about what's going on. Paul rejoices in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for the saints. And he prays for them that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, 
being controlled by God's will, that they would walk in a manner worthy. But yet we see within this book there were threats, and we're getting to that as we get to chapter 2. There were threats to their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes and shares the solution to uh, the threats, which is the person of Jesus Christ. He shares in chapter 1 that he is the uh, uh, he is over and he is the Lord of the sovereign of the first creation, having brought forth, been brought forth through him. He is also the head of the church, the new creation. And uh, he died that he would present us holy and blameless beyond reproach. And then we saw in the midst of declaring who Christ is, the Apostle Paul share what genuine ministry is really in contrast to the false ministry, which we're beginning to see in chapter two. Genuine ministry has genuine servants that God has called and gifted to serve him in many different facets, many different ways. The the very multiplicity of gifts revealed in the word of God uh, brought forth uh, that man would serve. And the apostle Paul knew he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew what his uh, his stewardship was to fully proclaim the word of God. And we saw the apostle Paul wasn't a self-made apostle the Lord God got a hold of him as he was out to go and to persecute Christians. Paul wasn't saying, hey, I think I'm going to be a pastor. I think I'll be an apostle. No, the Lord Jesus got a hold of him and said, this is what you're going to do. And that's what true ministry has, those called by God and gifted by God and thus obedient to that calling. And then we also saw that the message of true ministry is Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so with that message, focusing on Christ, it is Christ alone, it is Christ. We see that the method of true ministry is Christ proclaimed. Paul says, and we uh, proclaim him, admonishing every man. That's the method, not just a few here and there, but every man uh, with all wisdom and and he says, uh, uh, and teaching and and, uh, that we represent every man complete in Christ. And that's why Paul labored and strived. And then we came to chapter two where we saw his labor and striving was personal for these, uh, these in this Lycos River Valley, which includes Colossae, uh, uh, and, uh, Laodicea and Heropolis. He, he strives for them that they would, having had their hearts knit together, that they would be protected from, uh, those threats to their faith, those threats to their faith. And so as we come to our passage, uh, we come to a portion in which the Apostle Paul is going to continue to reveal uh, how we can keep from being ensnared by crafty, uh, perverted uh, uh, imposters who take the word of God and lessen it, uh, change it, uh, add man's wisdom to it, whatever it might be, and take captive Sunday after Sunday, week after week, believers who have not been on the alert and paid attention to what God has said for one's own good. So with that in mind, how can we uh, avoid these threats to our to, 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 to trusting in the total sufficiency in Christ? Well, remember, and I've mentioned this already, and we'll see it in a second, we need to first of all resist in a sense. You know, you have that movement of the, of the, of the communist rebels, resist, you know, the government, resist, you know. Well, that, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about uh, resisting the devil, in a sense, and his people by obeying the Lord. Resist the devil and submit to the Lord, and the devil will flee from you, right? We see that in James. 
And so here, let's take a look at our passage. And I'm going to read back at verse 8 and then into our passage, verses 9 and 10. And I'm going to read past that because it all goes together. If we could, you know, extend our Sunday sermon time five hours, we could do that today. But I'm just going to read that and we'll get back to that next time. So notice what we looked at last time. Verse 8, chapter 2 of Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And then here's our passage, and notice how it's connected. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And that's what we're going to look at today. But let's keep reading, because it keeps speaking about things here. And in him... You were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions. Amen. Right? Amen. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made public display over them, having triumphed over them through him. And then he's going to go on and say, therefore, don't let these guys judge you in the sense that they say you got to do things religiously. To be right with Jesus. He's going to go on saying, because of all that you are in Christ and all that he is and all that he has done, don't be taken captive. Now, just to review, we talked about this last time. We are not to allow false teachers, deceived brethren to take us captive spiritually. We saw that. See to it, verse 8, that no one takes you captive. We are to continually, habitually beware, otherwise we will be dragged off like a captive in a war where someone grabs them and takes them and drags them off his booty. That's the picture here. And remember, we saw this uh, portion could be translated literally, see to it lest someone be captivating you all. If you don't watch out for it, you're going to get taken. It's going to happen. Don't let it happen. Continue to see to it that it doesn't happen. Speaks of a forceful action of carrying someone off. And it's a spiritual carrying off. There's a lot of believers, by the way, that are not obeying this command and have been taken captive. And God wants to set them free. God doesn't want them to be captives or he wouldn't be telling us to see to it. Individually and corporately. And so here we see that they're to see, and we are to see to it that no one does so. But how is it that we were taken captive? Remember, we looked at this. He gives us the the, the a picture at what their bullets look like. He gives us a picture at what their weapons look like. He said, this is how, what they're going to shoot at you. This is how they're going to do it. You need to pay attention. You need to be aware of this. He says here, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Now you might remember we saw earlier that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
And because of that, we're going to see because of who he is and what he's done, we need to go to him. Because there are those where Paul would say in verse 4, I say this about his, in Christ being all the wisdom, treasure, wisdom, and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with persuasive arguments. There are persuasive arguments out there. It sounds reasonable if we're not aware of what God is warning us about and focusing on Jesus. They sound reasonable, persuasive. We saw that the the, the term speaks of uh, that, which is uh, which is uh, um, which which is uh, uh, talking someone into something. It spoke of a lawyer uh, uh, just, uh, convincing a jury of something. You know how some lawyers are honest and some are not. Some dishonest lawyers have some pretty good arguments to convince juries that their guilty client is not guilty. You see, it's a persuasive argument, and we got to be watching out because people are. Desiring to delude us. We'd be deluded. The term speaks of paralogizomai, reckoning wrongly. This argument comes by and I reckon the reality of it wrongly. I don't hear it rightly. I don't see it in light of what God says. And so we are to remember that this is going on. We saw that we were to walk in the way that we came to faith. Remember that? Uh, he says in verse 6, As the, you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And he just talked about faith and being stable in their faith. We believed the truth that God revealed about Jesus in the gospel. And that's how we got saved. We didn't add anything to it. We didn't do nothing but believe the truth. We received it as God's word. We were convicted and we said, yes, Lord, and we believed. Now, did we say everything exactly the way we're supposed to say it? No, we believed the truth about Jesus Christ. And in the same way, we are to walk. We're to walk. That's going to protect us. We're to walk in the same way we believe. We're to just simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to simply believe what he says and apply it to everyday life. We're to walk in the same manner. Otherwise, we might be taken captive by persuasive arguments. We might be taken by those with persuasive arguments. And you might remember that we saw we are to be filled with the knowledge of his will. But here we have an alternate will, in a sense, coming along. Man's wisdom couched in, in religious terms. I shared this uh, last time, but that this wisdom, uh, there are men who bring well-packaged wisdom but it's man's wisdom. In a religious argument, we see that back in later on in the chapter, we're going to see this wisdom that comes. It has the appearance of wisdom and, and self-made religion. It has the appearance of that, but it is of no value against fleshly indulgence. So we need to be careful. These evil men imposters have a false humility, a false religion packaged in the appearance of wisdom, and we are to beware. And it comes in the context of philosophy and empty deception. Now, philosophy is simply the term love of wisdom. And that's not bad within itself, but it depends what wisdom it is. We know from Scripture there's the wisdom from above and the wisdom from below. James chapter 3. We know there's God's wisdom and man's wisdom. The wisdom from below, earthly, natural, and demonic, James chapter 3. 
God's wisdom, first pure and peaceable. We said we have that standard, the characteristics of God's wisdom. And so here we have bad guys using man's wisdom packaged as God's to take you captive. So true, man. I saw that in seminary. They came along with how you should do church. And it was completely based on man's wisdom on how to win the world rather than obedience to the word of God. It sounded slick and a lot of people followed after it. And a lot of churches with elders that are disqualified in that moment from choosing to do that, they didn't protect the flocks, came into that and took on those methods and those ways. So here we have this man's wisdom, philosophy, an empty deception. It's empty. When all's said and done, there's no real content to it. It's vain. It, it leads to nothing profitable. It's vain. There's nothing profitable about it. You see, in contrast, we have Christ in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in Christ. And it is through his word we saw, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is through his word by his spirit we receive his wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, from the mouth of the Lord comes wisdom. And it is God's desire that we would have that wisdom operating in our hearts as we trust the Lord and believe what he said, rather than man's wisdom pulling us astray as captives. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. And it's religiously packaged. We see that later on. I've shared all that last week. You can go back and listen to our last time. We can listen to that. But this ultimately has no value against fleshly indulgence. You want to, you want to be a better husband? They got a method to do that. You want to be a better wife? They got a method to do that. You want to be a better worker? They got a method to do that. Hey, they take your good desires to be godly and they twist them with man's wisdom. Watch out for that. If it's not Christ through his word that's being presented and proclaimed, then you're being led astray. You're being led astray. People say just because it has a good goal, then it must be right. Yes, of course it's good to be want to be a godly husband. Of course it's good to be a godly wife. That takes you captive through man's wisdom. See to it that that doesn't happen. And then notice it is according to things. We saw this. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world. The tradition of men means it's that which is human in origin and passed on. It's human in origin. We saw the Pharisees took their traditions and uh, traditions of men and taught them as if they were God's word or God's ways. They, they repackaged it. Repackaged it. And we also saw this is according to the elementary principles of the world. This tells us, hey, this is what their weapons look like. This is how I'm going to get attacked. It's going to be according to men's tradition, uh, wisdom, hollow. Uh, it's going to be according to the elementary principles of the world. And like I said before, that's not a group of principles that meet uh, for the elementary schools. All right? <laughs> it's the elementary principles of the world. It's uh, literally the ABCs, the, 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 the basic building blocks of how the world functions. 
And how is the basic, how does the word function? It functions by love of self. Self-love. Uh, what is best for me? My will. I did it my way. But this is packaged. You get your way, but the guilt is gone because it's packaged religiously. But guess what? You become a captive. You get your way. You get to do it your way. They try to defraud you, to deceive you, to enslave you in the context of the elementary principles. They focus on your needs. I remember in seminary how evil this was. You need to preach to their felt needs. No, you don't. You preach to what, you preach what God says because He knows what they need. You proclaim the Word of God. You don't preach to what their felt needs are. That's, that's, a, that's what evil men and imposters do. And people who have that, then guess what? They're coming to get their felt needs met every Sunday. And it's gotta change. The show's gotta go on. It's gotta change. It's gotta get better and better. These bad guys take you captive through philosophy, empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. We see this, and notice what he says here, rather than according to Christ. You see, he says it that way in contrast, not to say that Christ, according to him, is a bad way. It's the right way. But they come religiously. They should be coming to you in accordance with Christ. But they're doing it this way instead. They should be proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. They should be pointing you to him in whom are all the treasures of wisdom. They should be pointing you to trust in Jesus, to believe his word in relationship to your marriage, in relationship to your work, in relationship to the difficulties, in relationship to your sickness. Believe what Jesus says, trust in him. But they don't do that. They don't do that. You see, Paul has already declared that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and that our walk began by faith and we should continue to walk that way. Therefore, as you've received him, so walk that way. But they substitute and augment the wisdom of God with the wisdom of men from the heart of man rather than according to Christ. Nothing's changed. This was written thousands of years ago. Nothing has changed. We have Sunday after Sunday false teachers and deceived brethren giving their flocks spiritual pep talks. These pep talks are laced with video clips and clever and entertaining stories, illustrations with a few verses in context or out of context to make you feel as though you're getting the Bible. And usually, as I mentioned before, they address your felt need, what you feel you need. Your current problems, rather than pointing us to Christ, that it might reveal sin if necessary, that it might build us up, we might become more like Jesus, rather than proclaiming Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man that we might be complete, presented complete in Christ. But what throws us off is they come in very persuasive and Christian-sounding arguments. Very persuasive. They have much truth, yet at their core they deny or lessen the absolute sufficiency of Christ by substituting man's wisdom. That's wisdom. And they got good reasons to you. Listen to these people. They say, why do you do church that way? Well, they got a whole big good reason to tell you, but it's not biblical. It's not biblical. So then, we're to obey this command. See to it that no one takes you captive. Obey the command. It's for your good. Or you're going to get taken away. 
you got to watch out. It's out there. I mentioned this illustration before. You're on the road and there's a big sign that says, Danger, bridge out ahead. You know, if I don't, if I don't, uh, uh, pay attention to the, 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 the warning, I'm going to get taken. It's just going to happen. If you don't pay attention to this warning, it's going to happen to you. And maybe it has happened to you. And you need to confess, Lord, I let it happen. Forgive me and God will forgive you. You're cleansed. Move forward. Move forward, okay? So with that in mind, we are to be alert. We are to obey the command. We are to uh, resist them in a sense that we obey the Lord. And then coming to our passage, long review here, folks, but coming to our passage, we now need to rest in the sufficiency of Christ. Rest in the sufficiency of Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And now our passage, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is head over all rule and authority. And then it'll keep going, but we gotta stop there. Notice verse 9 begins with the term for. And uh, we don't start sentences when you talk to somebody. The first thing you say is, for, I went to the store. It's got to be connected to something, right? Now, this term here is translated for, and there are different Greek conjunctions, most that are translated for. This one actually is the tra- Greek conjunction hati, which is usually translated because. Because. And it's actually a better translation, I believe, because here. And you can think about this. I use this this example. We use this in English this way. Take two aspirins for a headache. Oh, you don't want to, you don't take it to get a headache. You take it because you have a headache, right? So he says here, for, because, because. Don't let them take you captive through the world's wisdom rather than according to Christ because, and here you go. In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. Because in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Just to cut to cut down to the, cut the chase, because he's God. He's God. And he has all the wisdom you need. And he is all you need. The term dwell speaks of continually dwelling. And it speaks of all the fullness of deity continually dwelling. The term fullness, pleroma, speaks of the sum total, complete measure, the full amount. This leads no speculation, Paul, by adding the word all here. All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Christ is not part God. He is completely God. In Christ dwells continually, habitually, all the fullness of deity. You can't see it clearer than this. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Indeed, Jesus claimed to be God. Let me share some passages. John 14, 9, Jesus said to, uh, to I think, Philip, Have I been to you long so long that you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. He's not saying, I and the Father are the same. We are one in that we are God. One God, three persons. 
John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and, they went, and he went out of the temple. John 10, 30, 30 Jesus, Jesus, speaking in the context of the Good Shepherd, he says, I and the Father are one. One in essence, because he's God, God the Son. There is one God. We know that, but revealed in three persons. It says the Jews took up stones to stone him. Jesus answered, said, I show you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, for a good work we do not stone you, but, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself out to be God. Jesus claimed it. Okay? And the scriptures affirm it. You can follow along with me if you like. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, all things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that came into being. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. When Thomas uh, saw Jesus after He had risen from the dead, Thomas was still wondering a little bit, and Jesus had him uh, check him out. He said, then he said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand, put it in my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Then Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. And the Lord Jesus didn't say, no, 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 don't do that. Worship God alone. No, he accepted that because he is God. Hebrews chapter 1 says that through him he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, but of the Son, he says, thy throne, O God. We read this earlier in Philippians chapter 4. We're to not merely look out for each our own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. We're to have this attitude, Philippians 2, verse 5, this mind, this thinking, this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God. But he humbled himself. He took on a human nature. He took on a human nature. Romans 9, 5, who's, who the fathers from whom the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. Amen. Acts 20, 28, be on guard for yourselves and for the flock and when the Holy Spirit has purchased, the Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He's God. We're looking for Titus 2, 13, the blessed hope and appearing of our great God and Savior. Christ Jesus. Second Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who received a faith same as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We saw it declared earlier in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and he is the image of the invisible God. Chapter 1, 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. You see, God the Son took on human flesh. He took on a human nature along with his divine nature. He took on human flesh. 
And notice back in our passage, it says, in him all the fullness of deity dwells. This is a marvelous statement. In bodily form. In bodily form. The term bodily form, uh, somatikos, soma means body. It's speaking of the human body. Of a human body. God took on human flesh. And the fullness of deity dwells in Christ in bodily form. And it didn't stop. God the Son was always God from eternity past forever. And God in the point of time, according to the Father's will, God the Son took on human flesh. And he lived the perfect life. He died. He rose and he was glorified and now is at the right hand of the Father. And he will and is forever the God-man. God who has a glorified human body. How about that? All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It's quite amazing to think about. You think, no one understands. Uh, Jesus understands. He took on human flesh. He lived the perfect life. He was sinned against to the max. As a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, one from whom men hid their face. He understands. We saw this in Hebrews chapter 4 last week. He is a sympathetic high priest. God in human flesh. That's an amazing thought. He is now at the right hand of the Father. And he's coming back for us to bring us to where he's prepared. And then we'll come back with him when he comes in judgment. And we'll reign with him on earth for a thousand years. And then we'll go with him to a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells, where there's no more tears, sorrow, death. And Christ will be in our midst. There won't need any light, need for light, but the Lamb will light it up. We see that in Revelation. In him, all the fullness of deity continually, habitually dwells in bodily form. Quite amazing. Quite amazing. You need Jesus when you're in trouble. We need Jesus all the time. And he's a gracious God. If uh, the Father cares about the birds, he's got feet out there, our hairs of our head are numbered, the Lord Jesus cares about us intensely. He died for us. He died for us. So don't get taken captive by people who have a slick, religious, man's wisdom covered uh, candy for you. Don't do that. Because in him, all the fullness of deity dwells. They should be coming to you and pointing you to the one who is God. The one in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They take you away for these other ways rather than according to Christ. Don't let it happen. We need to go nowhere else. Christ is all we need, and he is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, where is Christ revealed? Is he revealed on YouTube videos where people start to die in Psalm? Where is Christ revealed? He's revealed in his word. Luke chapter 24. The Lord Jesus, you could turn there, on the day he rose from the dead, could have said, looky here, guys. Don't be discouraged. Let not your heart be troubled. I'm in your midst. But he taught them a very important lesson and taught us a very important lesson. 
Their eyes were shielded from understanding who he was, and he explained the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Luke chapter 24. And he said to them, verse 25, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things, to enter into his glory? And behold, excuse me, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Christ is revealed in his word. We have the mind of Christ. Where do you look for to get your help in the Christian life? The Christian bookstore? That's the, that's Amazon now, right? Where do you look to get your help? Where do you go? We need to be on the alert. When we're struggling, we are vulnerable to being taken captive. Whether it's a physical struggle, relational struggle, work struggle. It's a good fight of faith, but it's a fight. And we are vulnerable to very slick, packaged religious arguments that will take you captive. Rather than according to Christ, in whom are all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In bodily form. God's protection for us is God. It's Christ. And he is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of our faith. And he is revealed in the word alone. And his will is revealed in the word alone. Don't let false teachers take you captive. Christ is what you need. He is who you need. We see in Jeremiah chapter 15 that cursed are those who trust in mankind and make man their trust. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, and the Lord is their trust. You're blessed if you trust in the Lord. What do you trust in? We all can quote this verse, but do we really live it? Uh, we're not to lean our understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him. You know, we're, we're to we're to not uh, we're not to trust in anything. We're to trust in the Lord with our whole heart, right? So then. Having laid the foundation, reminding us that in him all the fullness of deity dwells, he's then going to apply the truth now. He's going to start applying it to us directly, this relationship we have with the living God. And that protects us from these bad guys. He's going to put some skin on it here. We're going to see, as he applies it, that we should not let false teachers take us for a ride. One, because Jesus is God. But secondly, because in him we are fully complete. Look at verse 10. And in him, Colossians chapter 2, you have been made complete. Doesn't feel that way. Well, guess what? We don't live by feelings. We live by faith, don't we? We're to reckon the truth. And when we reckon it true, because God said it, we're set free from those feelings that can entangle us. You know, lack of faith will entangle you every second. He says here, And in him you have been made complete. This is a tremendous statement. This is a tremendous statement. The term have been made complete means to fill up here, to be filled up, to be topped off, filled to the brim, being complete, the sum total, complete measure, the full amount. And he says here, and this is how the Greek shares it, And you are, present tense, you are continually, habitually, 
in him having been made complete. Perfect tense. What does that mean? It means that you were made complete in the past and you still are complete today. And in him, that is a continual habitual reality. In him, you are, and you are in him having been made complete. Completeness. It's a continual habitual state of completeness in Christ, but that is only understood and lived forth when we walk by faith. When you got saved, you believed you were not, you were in, you were in need of a savior, and Jesus was the savior. God is saying, you don't feel, you know, we don't, not God is saying this, but you don't feel complete, but God is saying you are in Christ, in Him. Don't forget that. He says, and in Him you've been made complete. The implications are massive because of our relationship with Him, we are filled to the brim with everything we need because we have Him. We have Him. You see, folks, when you believed, you placed your faith into Jesus Jesus Christ, and you were placed into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. For by one Spirit, we are all placed into one body, right? 1 Corinthians 12 and Galatians chapter 3. And we were given His Spirit as a pledge to live in us forever. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6. We also see that in 2 Corinthians 5. And we know that we have everything we need in Him for life and godliness, as we'll see. It's through our relationship with Him that we attain that. He is all we need to live. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1. In Him, you've been made complete. Which means when you don't feel complete, you're probably not resting in Him. Turn to Him. Go to Him. He will help you. It's still a fight. It's still faith. It's an agonizing fight. It's difficult, it's strenuous, it's emotionally hard. But believe what he says and believe in him. Believe in Jesus. Second Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us, divine power by Jesus is God, right? Divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. It's through the relationship we have with Jesus. Now we're going to see that relationship is built up through the Word, by a Spirit. He says here, who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We have his Word And that's how we partake of Christ. We partake of his power actively in our lives. Not that we become divine. We're not. We're human. But his divine power functions in us through his promises. You believe what he says and God acts upon it. Now, we're in this right context, obviously. Believe in Jesus. We have everything we need, and we need to remember that because we are frail. But we also have a merciful and gracious high priest when we're faltering and falling apart, right? Go to him, and he'll remind you that he's everything you need. Go to him. He'll remind you. Go to his word. He'll graciously help you. In our relationship with Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, we have everything we need 
in Him. God uses His Word to equip us for every good work, 2 Timothy 3. His Word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, Psalm 119. In Romans chapter 12, we are to not be conformed to this world, but transformed to the renewing of our mind, that we might prove what is good and acceptable, right? We might prove God's will. We need to go to Christ. We need to trust Him the same way as when we got saved. We believed in Him. We trusted Him. So walk that way. You see, we need to abide in Him. Rest in Him. Turn to John 15. Because in Him is everything we need. So when trouble comes, be on guard for the bad guys. They got an answer for you. It's a religious answer. And it's going to fill your flesh but it's going to take you captive. Go to Jesus instead. Go to his word. John 15, Jesus says, and it's important, this isn't the night he was betrayed. He's given them really important truth before he goes. He's going to give them a spirit. He says, i got to go. I can't send the spirit unless I go. John 15, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean, that's speaking of salvation, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So you abide in him and he abides in us. He says, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. That means rest. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. The stuff they bring is hollow and empty and nothing. It does nothing except enslave you. Second Corinthians 3.5, I love this verse. Not that we are adequate to consider anything that's coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. We saw this last week. Since we have a great high priest, Hebrews 4.14, who has passed through the heavens of Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we have, do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is what you need. He is what I need. He's what we need. And so often we don't go to Jesus. We go to religious stuff. We go to things we know about Jesus. We don't go to him and then believe his word directly in relationship to what we are struggling with. We don't need Christ plus doing stuff. We don't need Christ plus special knowledge. We don't need Christ plus religious rituals. We don't need Christ plus angels. That's an amen. We don't need uh, Christ plus severe treatment of the body. Christ is all we need. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Do you truly believe that in Christ he is all you need? Do you truly believe that? That you're complete? So then what is our protection against uh, false teachers to see brethren try to delude us with persuasive arguments, take us captive to the world's wisdom, repackage religiously? It is that Christ is fully God and fully man and in him we've been made fully complete. You're complete in Christ. You're complete in Christ. 
You say, okay, I understand that. I understand God in human flesh, and we're in him, continually, eventually, if he made complete. But what about Satan and his cohorts? They seem to come along and try to spoil that and mess it up. Well, we know, indeed, the operative power behind these bad guys who take you captive is Satan. We know Second Corinthians chapter 11 that uh, false apostles, deceitful workers, disguise themselves as apostles of Christ, and, and no wonder even Satan does so. Therefore, it's not surprising his servants do the same thing. They disguise themselves. But notice in our passage, this is the last portion we'll see today, that we are to function according to Christ rather than these other ways that will take us captive because he is the head over all rule and authority. You know, if you look back at these passages and we'll see this, you see that uh, he says in the beginning of verse 9, 4, or because, because Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, now you could say the same thing in the next and, because in him you're all made complete. And you could say this here, because he is over, he says here, head over all rule and authority. And you say, well, what is, what is rule and authority? What's that? Well, it speaks of the angelic world, more specifically the fallen angelic world. It speaks of those rulers and authorities under Satan, the god of this world. And here we see Christ is head over them. He's over them. You see, Christ has brought forth victory over Satan and his demons, and that was solidified at the cross. I'll share a couple passages. So we don't need to worry about those things. And I think he's gonna, I think he's also alluding to what he'll share later on because the bad guys were saying, you need the help of angels. And actually those are going to be demons, by the way, the ones that would help you in that, because God's angels aren't going to do that, right? And so he's heading it off at the passes. We'll see later on in our passage uh, that these people have fleshly visions and worship angels. They bring this stuff along. You know, you see people saying, you know, they have the little angels, angels are following me, whatever. You know, see that stuff, you know, it's kind of goofy. You know, but some people get all focused on that stuff. Jesus is far above it. You're not complete in angels, you're complete in Jesus. You're complete in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's turn this a little bit longer, so I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul is saying, hey, having had your hearts enlightened, it's already happened. Uh, I want you to know these three things. What are, what are, what are. And the last one he says, Ephesians 1.19, and what is, this God wants us to know this, the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Isn't that great? you got to know how powerful your God is and how his power towards you to live the Christian life, to live the resurrection life, the resurrected life. We're, we've been raised in Christ. He says here, This is in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above, look at these terms, all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the ones to come, he's put all things in subjection under his feet, and has given him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's head over everything. Go to Jesus. 
Go to Jesus. Don't go to other things. One last passage. Look at Colossians 2.13, just a little farther down from where we are. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions. Amen. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. You see, if you're not saved, every sin is just piling up and it's against you. You're going you're gonna to have to pay the penalty for your sins. But Jesus, those were nailed to the cross. He took care of our sins. He's taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, when he had what? Disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public display over them, having triumphed over them through him. God triumphed over the rulers and authorities through Christ, they say. So then... He's everything we need. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. Not enough time to continue this wonderful passage, but as we're going to see, next time, he's all we need because of the salvation that he's brought forth for us. A complete salvation. He's all we need. Everything we need is in Christ. God who took on human flesh in whom we have been made complete. We don't need anything outside of our relationship with Jesus and what he brings forth in that context. And he has defeated our spiritual enemies. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. I began speaking about the good fight of faith. This is the core of the good fight of faith. Do we believe what God has said concerning Christ or do we need some human wisdom to buttress our faith? If you go to the latter, then you're going to get taken captive. Do we believe in him we've been made complete? In Christ we have everything we need for life and godliness. doesn't mean we don't struggle. doesn't mean we don't cry out to him on our beds. We don't cry out for ourselves. doesn't mean we don't boldly come for his throne. That's reality. In Christ, we have everything we need. It comes down to faith in what God has revealed concerning His Son and the Word. Now, some of you have never truly trusted in Christ for salvation. Maybe you did a work. You said, if I do this, then I'll be saved. No, it's not what we do. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You've leaned on some work of your own. That's how you, when you say, say, you've been saved, you say, yeah, I did this. That's not going to cut it. Christ did it all. Confess your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Some of you have never trusted in Christ completely for your sanctification. You've been taken captive by some false teacher to see brethren, really nice guy, girl, whatever it is, you've shrunken away. That has shrunken away from faithfully declaring the whole counsel of God. You need to confess of your ignorance or your sin, outright sin. As you have received Christ, so walk in Him. We've been made complete in Him. Have you trusted in spiritual pep talks, based sermons based on man's wisdom to help you follow Christ? Confess that. In Him, you've been made complete. Parents, are you placing your trust in 
ministries and ministry materials and people to help you follow Christ rather than trusting Christ and simply obeying the Lord's word concerning how to raise your children and trusting him? In him you've been made complete. Are you trusting the Lord at work or are you relying on your own abilities? It's impossible. As you get older, you're going to realize this is impossible. I'm going to fail. I need him completely. In him you've been made complete. What about when you go through hard times? Do you trust in people to help you get through? Now, God can use people, and that's part of his soul. There's no problem with that. But do you trust in people? In him you've been made complete. What about spiritual books like The Purpose Driven Life and theological books? to help you follow Jesus. Nothing wrong with a good book to read, but are you trusting in it? Now, those weren't good books, but a, but a good book. In him, you have been made complete. I think you get the, the message. Do you believe Christ is all you need? If you don't, you're going to be entangled. Hebrews says that we are to run this race with endurance, laying aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us, that sin of unbelief. Lay it aside, be set free. And as the writer says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this passage. May we be those who trust in your son wholeheartedly throughout the day. And when we fail, help us see it so that we confess and turn quickly, Lord God. May we be those who walk in a manner worthy, Lord God, because we're trusting in your Son, Jesus Christ, wholeheartedly. Lord, reveal to us areas where we have failed. Uh, help us see that quickly. Help us confess and help us trust your Son. In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him we have been made complete. Thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.